You're listening to Discography Discussion, episode 220, E-Town Concrete. Hosted by Dan Terry. All right, bitch. John Beatty. What, you mean you're Sony Walkman? And Joseph Wren. I got plenty of it. Presented by DiscussMetal.com. And if you're more than incredible and it's time to shine, then you are ready for this episode of Discography Discussion. I am Joe. That is Dan. That is John. Guys, we are right up in New Metal May. And we're going to talk about some Town Concrete. Are you guys excited? I've been excited since we put this band on the schedule because they have that new metal reputation. And I've seen them live a couple times. They are heavy as fuck. But I think this is one of the most hardcore driven with some hip hop influence new metal bands that we've ever talked about. Because they're more about being heavy with their words and not so much about the lyrics overall. I guess we all have our own interpretations on what heavy lyrics are, but um, they definitely get into some real life stuff here. But uh, it is also from a different perspective. So here's something interesting about the dissonance between talking about like a Linkin Park versus a uh, versus like a not not necessarily like a Linkin Park. Like Linkin Park was like very relatable to suburban teenagers e-town concrete comes from a much different and appeals to a much different demographic i think and uh in real life so you got guys like john over there that maybe might relate a little bit better to e-town concrete's lyrics than something like a lincoln park and so that part of the reason i wanted to talk about e-town concrete during this uh especially in approximation to a lincoln park episode was just to really show both sides of the spectrum as far as, you know, mixing hip hop and heavy music, this is a whole different type of hybrid that I think in a lot of ways goes down a lot better with my own personal tastes uh, than maybe something like a Linkin Park, even though I related to Linkin Park back in the day. But I'm going to stop talking about Linkin Park. I don't want any, anybody to be like, I can't believe these losers are comparing Linkin Park to E-Town Concrete right now. But this is the world that we live in. So here we go. I mean, Let's cosmetically, I agree right with those in. people because... This is not the mainstream onslaught that Linkin Park gave us in the early days, but if you're talking about mixing hip-hop with rock music, E-Town's one of the bands that people need to talk about more, I think. Because we all have our staples, but we don't necessarily talk about everyone who's at the conversation. That is fair enough. Let's jump right into the concrete head first. Well, before John says something more than incredible, I'm going to take this time to say thank you to everyone for listening to the podcast. Thank you for listening and for subscribing. If you are not a subscriber, then you can find everything discography discussion at discussmetal.com. We are on Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, iHeartRadio. So if you have an Amazon Echo or a Google Home, you have no excuse. Ask it to play the latest episode of the Discography Discussion podcast, and it will. We're also on Facebook and on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Be sure to like, favorite, and subscribe. It really helps us out. It lets us know you're listening. And now Dan is going to tell us all about five-star reviews. Well, to expand on what I normally talk about with five-star reviews, uh, leave us a five-star review if you want to. Leave us a one-star review if you want to. Uh, Just let us know how we're doing. And at the end of the episode, I'll give you even more avenues that you can reach out to us. And let us know how much you're enjoying the episodes, or if there are some other bands uh, that you want that you want to talk about. So uh, you know, we're we're here for it. Thank you guys so much for sharing the episodes. 
and uh, letting everybody know what we've got going on on this podcast. So, Dan, tell me about E-Town Concrete. E-Town Concrete. These guys have been around since 1995. And, uh, man, their first release definitely sounds like it's from 1995, and I'm, I'm totally here for it. I love these hardcore bands that, like, really rise to prominence in the 2000s, and you kind of get the idea that, like, there's some kind of new band that people are trying to push on you. Uh, but E-Town Concrete is, is very unique in that they have the, they've got the credentials. They've got the hardcore credentials. And um, their first album, Time to Shine, really starts this band off in, 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 the right, in the right pocket for me. 1998. So the first thing that you're going to notice is that this is a hardcore band. Like straight up a hardcore band, not not metalcore, not whatever any kind of course that you can throw at it, course light or anything you know of that nature. This this band is super heavy, and it's heavy in the way you know. Like if you guys look, go back and listen to our Hate Breed episode, these guys bring a level of '90s heaviness that I think a lot of modern day hardcore bands don't have. And I don't know if it's just because the recording technology wasn't as good. Or if, uh, or if nobody knew how to record this kind of music or whatever, but what you end up getting is kind of a wall of noise guitar sound. It's chunky in all the right ways. And what I really love about this band, even on this first record, is the vocals. Uh, their vocalist is incredible. His name's Anthony Martini, but he goes by uh, Ant Money or uh, Ignant Asthma Ant. <laughs> We're probably just going to call him Ant. I might call him Anthony. I don't know, but I like I like what he's throwing down here. Uh, it's a mixture of rapped vocals, but then, like, I, I think we're going to focus a lot on, like, his rapped vocals on this episode, but I don't want anybody to get the impression that this is not a hardcore vocalist <laughs> because this dude's got some pipes on him, and he sounds aggressive as all hell. And he doesn't rap the entire time. I think that's worth worth noting that a lot of this is very straightforward, punk-influenced hardcore. And um, I, I really like his candor. I really like his delivery. Um, I love the drumming on this record, and I love the I love the uh, the guitar sound. Uh, it is unlike any of their other material. This record is kind of unique in that respect. Um, it sounds like it came out in the '90s, and that's a sound that I kind of miss. And I'm I'm a little sad that I didn't hear this record before we did the uh, before we did the discography discussion episode because I, I felt like I felt like this is something I should have been listening to for years. When the album is hardcore, it is hardcore. When the band lays back and fucking grooves, it's almost Candiria. Yeah, I hear actually do hear a little bit of that. Um, I think a lot of that again is the production with Candiria, some of Candiria's music coming out around the same time. I don't think they're on the same tech level of a Candiria, nor do they Absolutely need to be. Absolutely not. Nor do they need to be. But uh, I appreciate that there even is a little bit of dynamics here where they kind of slow it down and go into more of a funk-influenced like hip-hop sound. Uh, they don't do it nearly enough on this record, though. This one stays pretty straight-ahead hardcore. And the lyrics are real. The lyrics are, are, are in your face. And it's just hard. I mean, I wish there was more I could say about it, but like with hardcore records, it's one of those like, are you pissed off? Check this record out. <laughs> so this uh, E-Town is kind of funny because like I think Dan said, most people, when you probably think of the band, you're thinking of, you know, their major label 
uh, release that, you know, basically saw them on Ozfest and so forth and gave them the prominence where most people would know of them. Uh, to me, this is the first two records, especially this one, kind of are really what I think that sweet spot of what E-Town really is to a lot of people that knew of them at the time. I definitely did not know of the band in listening to them. Like, this was not a band I was listening to at the time, but I had a lot of friends who were, so I at least kind of was aware of their sounds. So when eventually Mandibles comes out, I was like, what the fuck is this? Um, but this is a... This is basically that East Coast, East Coast hardcore that I love. You know, just that the swagger and the undeniable, like, you know exactly where it's coming from. Uh, yet it has like kind of the melting pot of like Kandiri. And I think you can't understate the proximity again to being, you know, in Jersey, being close to, um, you know, New York and some of those other states. But the influences and the ranging influences on this record are just really interesting uh, for the fame, you know, kind of starts off more of a jazzy kind of thing, um, you know, lyrically. Um, by the way, those that don't know, uh, Ant Money is not white. So his use of the N word is totally acceptable. Um just in case anyone's like, oh, what is this white dude saying that? And he's not getting a canceled. rarity in uh, in this type of music. Yeah. So um, just in case some people don't know that. Um, but yeah, this is a just a I mean, basically, this is if you're a fan of Biohazard, I don't know how you don't like this. <laughs> um, this is just unapologetically aggressive uh tonally <laughs> it is very ignorant at times uh lyrically uh, with some of the stuff that ant money is uh, talking about um but through and through this is just a fun record uh if you like hardcore if you kind of like something a little different in your hardcore vocally uh, like dan said it's it's not so much that it's all rap there's definitely differences but i i think the way he anthony delivers his vocals is is unique unto himself i mean he's not quite on par with i'll say Carly Coma, but at the time, Carly Coma didn't sound like he would become um, where even he kind of went straight more hip hop. Uh, and then during the aggressive stuff would be more aggressive. Ant found a way to do it where he was able to do both very well. Um, and it definitely separated them from the rest of the pack, basically, of, of hardcore bands or metal bands coming out of the East Coast in the late 90s. Um, time to shine. What a fucking record. <laughs> uh, what a way to kickstart your, your discography. Too, Absolutely. Well. I mean, no thanks. I mean, pfft. that always gets me fucking hyped every time I start this record. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was definitely rocking out uh, really late, late at night on my computer, more so than I should have. I was Because I always like to pull up like racing video games or something on the computer and play them while I'm listening to the bands to, to, to prep up for the episodes. And I, I just ended up getting so distracted by how much, like, how moshable some of this stuff is <laughs> that I was like, man, am I about to get up and just throw myself through my computer screen? Because, like, it's kind of what I want to do right now. Uh, I got really, really into it. And again, it just hits in all the same ways. And I, I hate to keep bringing up the Candiria comparison because it's there's there's not really a comparison there as, as far as the... I was not expecting this to sound how it sounded because... The first record I heard by them was The Renaissance and Mandibles was the first song I heard. So uh, I was not expecting them to be, I mean, for lack of a better way to say it, I was not expecting them to be this good, <laughs> you know, uh, going back. 2000, the second coming. Oh, man. Uh, so, you know, Time to Shine was a was a good record. It was a really good record. The second coming is a great record. Uh, again, you know, I know we say this a lot on the show, but this is uh, this is East Town Concrete with a budget 
<laughs> and in an actual studio with years of songwriting experience under their belts. So with this, you get you get a much more intense wall of sound with the guitars. Vocally, I think Anthony sounds more aggressive than he did on Time to Shine, which he was very, very aggressive on that record. Well, what I like about this record is I feel like musically it's much more interesting uh, than Time to Shine. Because like I said, Time to Shine has one emotion. Angry, as John said, maybe even ignorant in a couple places. Uh, this is a much more refined version of that sound where they do take breaks. They do go into more mellow sections. And uh, it contrasts with the with the ultra heavy stuff very, very well. Uh, to the point where, you know, I find this to be basically the quintessential release by the band as it's the best representation of what they were. Uh, to me, like what's interesting about uh, the, the progression from, you know, this one to Second Coming, um, at times I was like, damn, dude, this almost could be proto uh, bleeding through the way like his vocals sound. Like he has like Brandon Chappetti style, like that bark, that husk to his voice uh, that has grown since, you know, the last record. But this... It, it's kind of weird because I feel like, you know, we talked about this on, you know, the Linkin Park thing. And, you know, we've talked about it on other discographies as well, where it just is one of those things where it's like it's it's the band progressing, being a little more uh, growing as artists, growing as people, kind of knowing what they do, figuring all those things out. But again, this is just a fucking great hardcore record with some hip hop tinges to it um, in Ant's delivery. But like you look at a song like A Father's Marathon lyrically. And there's like way more to it than you're probably hearing from anyone else in this scene. I'm not discrediting anybody else from that early, early 2000s kind of East Coast style. I mean, we were seeing the kill switches, the the uh, I was gonna say Overcast, but um, Shadows Fall, you know, Unearth, God forbid, like all these other bands. And it's not taking away anything that any of those people were talking lyrically, but I feel like these were one of the few guys that were kind of bringing up a little bit more of that street stuff of like agnostic front of, like I said, biohazard, you know, real shit that people were going through. This almost kind of would be more akin to like early body count um, and things like that. Talking about real street politics, real kind of things that, you know, growing up in, in non rich, enriched uh, suburban communities, basically you know, kind of more of the urban landscaping of things and growing up poor and all that. Like, we weren't necessarily hearing those struggles uh, in music at the time. So that's kind of the thing. The, the legacy that's really interesting about E-Town to me, especially on this record, is, you know, they almost doubled down on everything they did on the first record, but did it even more so. Um, and it's one of those, like, where I'm not surprised based on the underground following this band builds up for themselves around this time, you know, like have, being able to headline like a star, Starland Ballroom, which is, you know, Jersey, one of Jersey's biggest uh, venues, you know, a couple thousand people and people would go to see these guys. Um, it's just I'm not surprised, um, but it is one of those like where this is, I think, so firmly rooted in when it came out. Um, you're starting to see some bands, I guess, kind of go back to this, you know, like Vein and and I would even say Power Trip to a degree, kind of going back to like this early, late 90s uh, kind of metal, we'll call it, or hardcore influence tinges with some thrash, some some funk, like, you know, kind of experimenting within the sound itself. But uh, I think kind of ruining a final thought, I guess, but I feel like this is really E-Town coming into their own and kind of showing that they are 
uh, at the forefront of something that hadn't really been seen at this point. Biohazard's gone uh, or getting ready to be done. Um, Agnostic Front are kind of, you know, still a legacy band at this point. So I was really expecting E-Town to really just climb the ranks and become that next band where maybe people that couldn't quite get into Candiria, these guys were a little bit the, the middle ground for that. So I expected these guys to come over and just take over the world at this point. Dan keeps saying that this is a hardcore band. He's not wrong, but this is where the line is blurred. And you could easily say this is a new metal band, especially in the year 2000. They fit in with other bands that had broken into mainstream, but even as little as two years ago had these underground sounding albums. So I think E-Town is not as good as those bands but i think e-town is doing their version of what candiria was doing it's not just let's be heavy and detune and sing about big trucks let's actually play heavy music with musicianship in mind and a vocalist that has something to say and is not afraid to just be old school hardcore with it He's barking at the microphone and he's not holding back. And that's really cool. Well, I do think that like this is a unique case where yeah, cuz I hear the body count comparison loud and clear. Yeah. Like know? on Shady? Yeah, oh my god. Yeah, like <laughs> totally. But I think I think what's interesting is that they they provide a proto new metal sound even though they you know this record may have came out in the middle of new metal's heyday. I don't think that they were new metal on the last record. I think this record, there's tinges of it in some of the riffing. Uh, you know, you, you'd mentioned John of Father's Marathon, uh, you know, which I'm running every single day. Uh, you know, but like that song is very, like the riffing is very new metal, uh, just in the way that it builds and it has that melodic sensibility to it. Now, Anthony's screaming over it in more of a hardcore way, but it's, it's interesting hearing some of the directions they go in with this record because... Not only are they proto new metal here, but they're also proto metalcore. You know, in that sense, so they're, they're 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 dipping from both wells. You know, in a way, and I don't think they're consciously doing that. I think that I think they're a band that sounded how they sounded, and they got into a better studio, and they and they dropped this record on us. And um, like I said, I think it's I think it's the quintessential record. If somebody if somebody was to ask me what E Town Concrete sounds like, the Second Coming all day long. Right. Um, Time to Shine's really great too, but this one really, really, really steps it up in the sound quality department. Yeah. And um, the lyrics are much better on this record <laughs> than they were on Time to Shine. Um, there was definitely some maturity that took place <laughs> between those two recordings. And uh, or I mean, who even I mean, who even knows when he wrote the songs on Time to Shine? Could have wrote those when he was fifteen, you know. Um, but I, I gotta say this 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 one really surprised me and came out of nowhere. Uh, like I said, I'd really only been I'd really only been familiar Aware. with the Renaissance. Yeah. And this is so much like this is so much more than that. And uh yeah, I can't get I can't get past it. This 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 is a fantastic record and I think you should stop this podcast right now, go listen to that record. Uh yeah, and then come back. Yeah, and then come back and uh you know, then the rest of what we're going to say is going to be uh, probably put into a little bit better perspective. 2003, the Renaissance. <sighs> um, 
seems to be a trend uh, in New Metal May. It's usually third record is where you're either like, yeah, they figured it out, or, man, what happened to the band I liked? Um, I I mean, I would like to say this is what happens when you get a bigger budget, but it's, it's almost like the things that made the last two records so great and made them undeniably E-Town and, and kind of finding their own way through a mixture of the sounds that they were doing the renaissance takes that but it's all the the wrong parts that don't work um so like ant money's vocal styling and delivery is almost turned up to a comedic effect i mean I, all of us make fun of mandibles but i mean lyrically it's a great song take the bullet between my mandibles it's a path i chose took life and i grabbed it by the balls i rose like an animal the jungle taught me how to handle foes that's it's a cool line that's very well done. yeah that's a very <laughs> typical lyric that you would hear on the other two records Unfortunately, I feel like the presentation of it is just a little bit more comedic. And it's almost exactly what this record as a whole, like there are some really good songs on it, but I think largely it fell victim to the era that it came out in where we talk about hair metal in the sense where I've always said I love hair metal. It was when musicians were some of the best musicians that there were. The problem is everyone became so trying to outdo each other with like, oh, here's my like two and a half minute long tapping solo. Here's where my my power ballad here's it became too tropey. And I feel like that's the same thing that happened with new metal is that it became too tropey after a certain point. And this record as a whole and mandibles, unfortunately, as the example is one where it's like that was kind of what we became like what became laughable about this music. There is nothing laughable about the last last two records. They're fucking great. And we just praised how much we loved the one before this. This is the one where you're going, what happened? And that's the only thing I can think of is that they tried to take what they didn't and widen it to be more accessible. And I think it diluted their product, basically. What made them unique? I think that, well, first of all, I have to set the record straight. I heard Mandibles on a Headbangers Ball compilation. Same. And, uh, well, I've heard that compilation. Is what and I, I loved it. I loved Mandibles. I thought it was great. I thought it was because, I mean, you got to think, if you remember that compilation, I think it was the 2003 or 2000, maybe probably 2003 Headbangers Ball compilation. And the first disc was like all the new metal bands like Stone Sour and Spine, Spine Shank and Stained and all that. And then the second, the second one was like what the new wave. It was kind of a passing of the torch type of compilation where oh God, all God the new metal bands went away and all the other ones were like metalcore and melodic death metal and all this stuff. Um, really weird hearing Demon Hunter and Azalea Dying and E-Town Concrete on the same disc on a compilation. Um, but I actually really liked it because it, it stood out to me from, from the rest of the types of bands that were on there. I mean, of course, you know, I love Lamb of God and, and Shadows Fall and bands like that, you know, 100%. But whenever I heard um, when I heard Mandibles, I was kind of like, is this on the wrong disc? Uh, you know, I'm not really sure what the sequencing is here, but uh, I feel like this is on the wrong disc of the compilation. But I really, really liked it. And I remember thinking, like, I remember having the distinct feeling that, like, this, this band, E-Town Concrete, is what P.O.D. tells people that their band sounds like <laughs> you know in that because because pod will tell you any day like yeah we're a hardcore band that incorporates elements of of metal south town yeah you know <laughs> like we incorporate ones. metal and, and and hardcore into our music but like you listen to pod and you're like it's a mainstream rock band with a guy that raps on it you know it's not that different than like lincoln park and uh 
E-Town actually is that. They're, they actually match up to that description very, very well. And so the Renaissance, if I had had the perspective of Time to Shine and the Second Coming kind of like on my mind when I listened to the Renaissance, I probably would have been like, uh, this isn't as good. You know, it's 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 definitely them trying to reach a wider audience. But when I heard it, I actually really liked it. I found it very, um, I found it very refreshing to all of the metalcore and stuff. That because like you have to ask yourself, and I, and I'm one of those people that started listening to started listening to metalcore because new metal had failed me <laughs> to a certain degree. You know, all the bands well, stopped converge. sounding good. They stopped sounding like they used to sound, and because they were all trying to get away from the new metal tag. And then it's like, yeah, I'm listening to all this metalcore and I'm really into it. Oh, but then there's this band, Eton Concrete. They sound like how I wish the bands that I used to like sounded. You know, so like I was really, really into it, you know. And yeah, sure, you got a song like More Than Incredible and it's a hype song. But it's all right. We can all enjoy a good hype song here and there. Like I really, really enjoyed it quite a bit. And uh, so and th this record, the strength of this record alone is why I wanted to do an episode on Etown. Because I was like, this is really cool, and I want to hear kind of some of the other stuff that they had to offer. And I have to admit that, yeah, this doesn't stack up to the first two records really at all. Uh, but I think that the creativity is there. It's still the same band. I would have liked to have heard more of the hardcore vocals yeah, in here, because he basically just kind of sticks to his rap style on this one. And I think it's cool, but I, I think that one of the biggest strengths of The Second Coming was his transition from, like, really guttural, like, hardcore vocals to kind of that, that more hip-hop influence vocal. And this one, you kind of you kind of get a little bit more of a one-dimensional record than I think that maybe they had ever really had before. So, like, overall, I think it's a really great release, but I don't think it's the best release for this band. I don't know. I just look at a song like So Many Nights and... Like, well, I'm kind of like, that's part of the problem with this record to me. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> the first two albums are phenomenal. The Renaissance is good, too. I like this record as somebody who is a fan of getting in a room with other musicians and whatever happens, happens. There's nothing about this album that just makes me wince and say, I can't listen to this for this reason. It sounds like they tuned up dude had some lyrics and they just sat down and started writing some grooves i don't think it's the same type of record as the second coming or time to shine but i don't think it's a huge misstep in the discography i think you can still enjoy this if you're a fan of e-town concrete and i'm sure there was a reason why we went more hip-hop with the vocals and less hardcore i don't know what that reason is because the hardcore vocals are still there but i can understand why listening to all four albums in one week we can pick on this one but i think there's a reason why this is the one most people point to as their favorite are we ready are we ready for war it's 2004 we were made for war dude can i just say how fucking badass pariah starts off with that sample from fucking independence day oh my god i mean independence dude. day is like one of the most clippable movies of all time right no peace what do you want us to do die, die. <laughs> yeah, like, like and that god damn like 
I don't know. And even like the lyrics to it, you know, choice between the devil, you know, and the devil you don't use force to coerce compliance. Like, dude, we're back to like only ant money, like just ignorant fucking lyrics. Um, who cuts the track pariah? <laughs> dude. And th- that's the funny thing is this is, this is the true follow up to the second coming. Yes, absolutely. You know, uh, and I think that like a lot of the complaints that may have been lobbed at the band, I don't know if there were or not, but for for the Renaissance, this was them being like, wait a minute, guys, whether they would admit this like publicly or not, this is where they're like, hey, guys, this is what our band actually sounds like. You know, we, really? we've lost sight of, of what we were here to do. Uh, and now we found it again. You know, they're not they're not three or four records removed from a certain style. So it's very easy for them to come in and be all like, yeah, we're going to put out a hardcore record, you know. So now it's one of those things where I was all like, yeah, if you're a fan of bands like P.O.D., check out E-Town Concrete. And now I'm like, hey, you like Hatebreed? <laughs> you should check out you should check out E-Town Concrete, you know. And I think that for for most for the most part, that's what the goal was, I think from the beginning with this band is that they were a hardcore band first that had, you know, uh, some hip hop influence thrown into it. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, as I'm listening to like wide awake right now, like there's like those like kind of weird dissonancy kind of like chords that, you know, some people would be like, Oh, that's kind of a new metal-y kind of riff. Um, but I mean, then very quickly is <laughs> going into like a beatdown riff. <laughs> um, Gotta always go beat down when you're not sure. Go beat down. Yeah, go do. Yeah, go beat down. But I mean, like just as a whole, like to me, there's this is one of those like the discography is so short. And even sort of like Joe said, when you listen to it all at once, there is the one record that doesn't feel like the rest. And I feel like that definitely was due to getting more of some mainstream popularity, getting on OzFest, getting on some of these compilations like, you know, got them, you know, onto a bigger label. And you're looking at bands like Shadows Fall, you know, kind of having success with uh, what was it? The Art of Balance, I think, was their kind of quote unquote mainstream record. Uh, the War Within. War Within. OK. Um, but it's one of those like where I feel like you, they're seeing all their friends basically getting some mainstream success, having some viability, being a career band at this point around this era in 2004. And they're probably like, oh, we could do that, too. We can, you know, I can sing. We can have more, you know, melodic parts that we've showcased. It just didn't trans. I I don't know. I just feel like it was trying like that record was trying too hard. And I feel like they went back to what they do and the strengths that they have. And then you're left with a fucking great record. I mean, even the end, the cover of There Goes Neighborhood. Like, fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from beginning to end, this is just a straight ass beater of a record. Yeah. And that that's all it needed to be. I think with a band like E-Town, it doesn't have to be complicated. No. Whether I think that the lyrics to Blood are kind of dumb, that's also still kind of, at this point, it's kind of part of their sound. You know? And, and, and I'm here for it. I'm here for the heaviness. I'm here for a band that figured it out. Yeah. I think the weird thing about E-Town is that they just never really caught on like some of the other bands have caught on. Mm-mm. And I think that's kind of a shame, but they are also very well remembered. And, you so. know, um, they're they're the kind of band that can show up on a festival for fun, as they say. Sometimes we'll play festivals for fun. But they've more or less since 2004 been gone. They just do usually like a, a well, before pandemic, a lot of times they would do like one-off like, around christmas time if i'm not mistaken they would do a reunion show at uh starland 
And then yeah. it would usually be a, like a bunch of like the old scene basically getting back together for that one off. Um, and those things from what I, I like are legendary shows. Um, they're like reunion shows they do once a year. But I mean, I kind of dig the fact that they very much like most of their career have done things all on their own. Um, Anthony basically now is managing big hip hop people like, you know, he's manager for Tyga and a handful of other people and really transitioned ironic, unironically, I should say, into the, the real hip hop scene. Um, and I'm not surprised that he found success in it. So it's one of those where um, I guess this will, this will be my final thought. I think largely uh, E-Town Concrete gets overlooked. They don't get the credit they deserve for being kind of the one of the innovators of what they were doing when no one else was really doing it and kind of being not afraid to kind of wear their influences or their their experiences, I should say, on their sleeve. Um, I think if you're only familiar with the Renaissance, you really need to do yourself some homework and go back to either end of the discography after that record and before. That's the true E-Town. Uh, the E-Town that when people talk about why they miss the band, why they have a lasting legacy, that's the band that you we're all talking about. Um, if, you, if you're listening to this and you... <laughs> never listen to the renaissance or only know it for mandibles go check out the rest of the record there is some good stuff on it um but i think by and large the the first two and the last one are the band that we're all talking about when we when we talk about the brilliance of e-town damn what about you i think that e-town concrete is one of the most important bands that you probably missed and they might have restored your faith in this type of music if you'd given up on it a long time ago uh, these guys are the real deal, and I highly recommend. Well, they definitely picked up where they left off with Made for War. I think that is the best follow-up to The Second Coming, but there's also pieces of the Renaissance in there. So the band as a whole, do they deliver on that sound? The answer is yes. This hardcore-influenced, mislabeled new metal it's just a band of dudes that like to play heavy music who have the ability to play whatever they want. You can't be the heavy band in the room and then break into a funk groove and not have everyone take notice. We've talked about bands that just have funk influences being new metal, but what is new metal? Well, that's kind of what we're talking about this month. We talk about it every year. And this is one of those bands that it's easy to mislabel them as just new metal, but there's more to it than that. There's punk rock, hardcore, funk, and just taste. When I listen to E-Town, I get taste from it. It would have been so easy for them to put out an album that was so overly produced that it would have failed miserably. There are some bad new metal bands that might not be that bad, if they kept it simple from a production standpoint, like E-Town does. So if you're a fan of many of the hardcore bands we talk about on this show, this one's not as melodic, but they can be if they want to. And you should be listening to E-Town. It is one of the most enjoyable bands we've listened to in a long time. And even though they're really not around anymore, if they pop up, you should take a shot at seeing them live. It is absolutely worth your $10. Damn, what's your album of the week? 
Oh, it would definitely have to be The Crimson Corridor by Zayo. It's not You're the Spider by Cold, I can tell you that. <laughs> John, what about you? I'm going to go Bloodlust by Body Count. For me, it's Adam Ship, The Crash of 47. That was a pretty awesome interview we did with Derek Pardo and Chad Ken a few weeks ago, Dan. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the best. I didn't have to do anything. I just sit back and let him do all the work. Take us out, DFT. If you like this podcast and you want to talk to us personally about any variety of topics, be that band suggestions or show suggestions or like, hey, Dan, you have a huge piece of spinach in between your teeth and it's very noticeable. You might want to take care of that. There's a variety of ways that you can reach out to us. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash discography discussion. You can find us on Twitter at discuss metal. You can find us on Instagram at discuss metal. You can send us an email at Dan and Joe show at gmail.com. We have a discord server. That's very active at this particular moment. And, uh, you know, I think that I think that you should really click on that link in the show notes because there's a lot of people like you that listen to the show that have their own opinions, and it's a great place to share those. If you want to check out our Discord server, you absolutely should. It is, it is one of the most fun experiences I've been a part of. Uh, if you'd like to support the show financially, there's a couple ways you can do that. You can order a T-shirt on our Teespring store. There will be a link in the show notes that will take you there. And you can join our Patreon. I know a lot of people are like, oh, Patreon, Patreon, give us money, give us money. Uh, we do provide uh, quite a bit of benefits for joining our Patreon, including weekly individual album reviews, uh, shorter episodes of the podcast that aren't available anywhere else, and we do a monthly Patreon subscriber hangout. So make sure to check all that out. If you go to patreon.com and search for Discography Discussion, we are there. We hope to hear from you guys very soon. I just want to thank all you guys who watched this on YouTube or listen to the audio podcast. Without you, we wouldn't do this. We would just talk by ourselves. And on that note, this has been episode 220 of Discography Discussion. Thank you for listening. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Discuss Metal. Subscribe to our podcast everywhere you listen to podcasts, including Google Play, Apple Podcasts, and Stitcher. Visit DiscussMetal.com for all things discography discussion. And please send questions and comments to show at gmail.com. If you are not a patron, you can become one at Patreon.com forward slash DiscussMetal. We have some sweet perks. Give me your money. $1 a month gets you into that exclusive album review feed. 